our king. He took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after the supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? It, is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you, just as my Father has conferred on me a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned them, strengthen your brothers. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. When I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? No, no not, not a thing. But now, the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. And indeed, what is written about me is being fulfilled. Lord, look, yeah, I'm so Lord. 
came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about the stone's throat, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple, police, and the elders who had come for him. Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else, on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter denied, saying, Man, I am not. Then, about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept 
asking him. Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. When they came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. They asked him again, Are you then the Son of God? You say that I am. What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirred up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began even to his place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence, and have found, I have found, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. <coughs> Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! 
number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. He believes in the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were handed there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for what we are getting for what we are getting, what we deserve, for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light faded, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly, this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Now 
then went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. and sisters today as we meet and celebrate Palm Sunday I want to say to you take some time at home and look at all the various characters around the who have gathered with Jesus during his trial and right unto his crucifixion there's a lot of characters there and I want to say to you that the whole focus of everything, it shows a mixed group of people with all the different concerns, all the different personal concerns, and those personal concerns taking on such powerful things in their lives that what happened, all of them overlook a very, very serious thing and allow a serious miscarriage of justice. And they Christopher the day tells us, gives us an idea as to how we can live our lives so that our own personal concerns doesn't become so powerfully present in our lives 
that we lose the perspective and the understanding and call by God that we are to be a people who must remember that we are, we are to be concerned about the wider issues of justice and fairness. And that epistle tells us it's something that um, one writer, a very old, the first Bishop of Birmingham, Charles Gould, you know, introduced the church to the concept of kenosis based on that passage from Philippians 2, 5 to 11. He talks about, you know, Jesus emptying himself. You know, rather than being supportive about who we are and our own concerns, is to really draw back, empty ourselves of that concern, what your kenosis, so that we can open up ourselves, our minds, and our perspective to look at the wider concerns of God, His will, His way, and His justice. And He said, kenosis is really all about learning to become so unselfish that we learn to embrace the way and the will of God. And I want to encourage all of us to seek to make the journey, especially this last leg of our Lenten journey, this holy week. And we'll be here tomorrow, Tuesday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And I want to encourage all of us to come and see if, you know, as we go through all these spiritual exercises, we can truly experience that kenosis, that self-emptying that allows us to be available to God, for God, with God, and in God. And when we are available for God and in God and with God and all these things, then we are able to serve the wider world rather than just be caught up with our selfish and self-centered concerns. May God bless and strengthen us. Today, brothers and sisters, I want to present to you a pastoral letter which comes from myself as the administrator of the diocese. And this pastoral letter is being shared among all congregations across the 12 islands of our diocese on this Palm Sunday, and I share it with you. Brothers and sisters, my trusted partners in Christ's ministry, greetings in the name of our Lord, whom we greet today as our King, and follow this week from the glory of the palms to the glory of his resurrection by way of the dark road of suffering and death. I pray and trust that thus far for our 2022 Lenten journey, that thus far our 2022 Lenten journey has been providing all of us with the space and opportunities to be united with our Lord in his suffering on the cross so that on Easter morn we may share his resurrection and new life. There have been wide-ranging consultations and discussions between me as the diocesan administrator and the very Reverend Ernest Fleming, our bishop-elect, on matters pertaining to a date for his ordination and consecration as a bishop of the church 
and the service of enthronement when he shall be officially installed as our diocesan bishop. Based on accepted and established provincial protocols, the diocese through the office of the diocesan administrator has received advice and directions from the office of the Archbishop and the Provincial Secretariat. I am pleased to inform you that the ordination and consecration service for the very Reverend Ernest Alroy Fleming as a Bishop of the Church of God shall take place on Wednesday, May 4, 2022, the Feast of St. Athanasius, a bishop in 373, and that's a feast day that falls normally on the 2nd of May, but has been transferred or moved to the 4th of May. The service will take place at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in the diocesan sea city of St. John Antigua. The ordination and consecration service will commence at 4 p.m. The enthronement service which is the formal installation and affirmation of Bishop Ernest Alroy Fleming as the Bishop of the Diocese of the Northeastern Caribbean and Aruba, is scheduled to take place at the St. John's Cathedral on Friday, May 6, 2022, the Feast of St. John the Evangelist, and that date is the alternate option that feast is usually taking place on the 27th of December and the service takes place at 6 p.m. All clergy, especially those in full-time service in the diocese, lay and youth delegates to diocesan synod, church wardens, vestry members and congregations are asked to take note of the foregoing dates and times for the ordination and consecration as well as enthronement services and to plan accordingly. Much foundational work has been done in ensuring that the appropriate garments and symbols of office would have been commissioned and fully secured well before the appointed date of the services. A central committee chaired by the Reverend Canon Clarence Joseph with several subcommittees has been at work for some weeks now. They are organizing and coordinating all the plans for the smooth and successful delivery of the services and associated activities. It is appropriate that the final stages of the task to be done with respect to the ordination and consecration as well as enthronement services will be taking place during the Easter season. In the worship life of our church, the Easter season speaks to a period of new hope and joy with our risen Lord and Savior. I request of all clergy that we use the occasion of our weekly parish masses to intentionally encourage and motivate our parishioners to engage joyfully in prayer and praises for Ernest, our Bishop-elect, 
as he prepares for his ordination and consecration, as well as his enthronement services. I also ask that clergy, church wardens, vestry members, and every parishioner make preparation in all parish services going forward for all who gather regularly for worship to plan towards making financial contributions towards defraying the cost connected with the said services. Brothers and sisters, I want to pause here and say with respect to making those contributions, I want to say to all of us here in the island of Nevis that Ernest is one of our very own. And what we contribute should be much more than everywhere else because this is our own. And so I want to encourage and call upon all of us to make a very, very special sacrifice in our contributions that we can celebrate with our very own. It's the first time in the life of our diocese that a Nevis man and a citizen of St. Kitts Nevis is elected as a diocesan bishop. Let us make it a grand and great occasion. And so, let us all remember and act upon our deep biblically-based Anglican conviction that we, that is every one of us in our widely scattered diocese of the Northeastern Caribbean and Aruba, are the body of Christ and individually members of it, which is the church. Let each parishioner therefore plan concretely to make his or her financial contribution to the diocesan budget for the financing of the ordination and consecration as well as enthronement services for our new diocesan bishop. Brothers and sisters, let us commend ourselves and each other to Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, with the prayer that He, that as God has called us to share in the mission and ministry of His church, that that same God would bless us, that that same God would direct us, that that same God would die, would inspire us, and that that same God would guide us to pray fervently and to give generously to ensure the successful hosting of the May 4th, the Wednesday, May 4th, and Friday, May 6th, 2022, services of ordination and consecration and enthronement for our Bishop-elect, Ernest Alroy Fleming. May God bless and strengthen all of us as we support these momentous occasions in our diocese. God bless you and thank you, your administrator and friend.
my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me.
bread which comes from heaven.
notices for this Holy Week, the 8th, the 11th to the 17th of April 2022. The services for Holy Week, well, you've heard them, but I'd just like to reiterate. Tomorrow, Monday, scripture, meditation, prayers, 7 p.m. On Tuesday, we have meditation on the cross and prayers, 7 p.m. On Wednesday, the Nevis Christian Council Lenten service at St. Paul's Anglican, 7 p.m. Monday, Holy Thursday, Mass and stripping of the altar, also at 7 p.m. Now, Good Friday, joint morning service at St. John's at 9 a.m. And there will be three hours of devotion here at St. George's from 12 to 3 p.m. Now, next Sunday, the 17th of April, Easter Day, Pastoral Ceremonies and Mass at 7 a.m. Sunday School will follow immediately thereafter. The parish office will be closed on Thursday of this week. Please take note. The bulletin this month is sponsored by Helena Lybert and Elmo and Rosalie Farrell, who give God thanks for his blessing on their lives as they celebrate another birthday and anniversary, respectively, during the month. We thank all those who show their support to the church for their continued sponsorship of the bulletin throughout the year. The month of October is still available for sponsorship. We extend heartfelt thanks to all those who played any part in the service this morning, as well as those who assist on a weekly basis in the preparation of the church for worship. As we pray this week, we ask you to remember the sick and the housebound, as well as those who may be in any pain or grief. Their names are listed in the bulletin. And we remember the family of the head steward, the chief, um, server, um, Premier, late Premier Ben Samory, and um, his family. Keep them in our prayers, please. Let us remember in our prayers of Bishop-elect Ernest Arroyo Fleming, as well as our diocesan administrator, administrator, Archdeacon Isaiah Phillip. We take this opportunity to welcome him back from his leave of absence, his illness, and he, as he recuperates from the surgery. Well, we saw him. During the week, as you intercede on behalf of all diocesan servants throughout the diocese, please refer to your bulletin and remember them in your prayers. Now the readers for next Sunday, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Intercession. Beyonce Prentice, Hope Merchant, and Mitch Morton Williams. The notices will be done by Tashron Tyson. I wish you a very blessed week, holy week, and be very reflective on what is happening around us and the world apart.
in Ukraine, it's very, very troubling. Please remember all of us.